0: Um, back to the like a bigfoot podcast i'm your host chris ward this week we are sitting down with ultra runner uh matt shepherd um we're gonna talk about what i have to imagine to be some of the absolute hardest events in ultra running some of the ones where like it's not just a physical event anymore it's, a, it's totally a mental thing. It's totally an emotional thing. Um, you have to basically have all points of your training sharpened to, to take these on and to be successful at them. And Matt has, has been successful. So we're going to talk about uh, a couple different backyard ultras. Um, this is the last runner standing type of events. Um, Matt won one in alberta canada he won the outrun backyard ultra and it was his very first uh first time running one of these guys um and then he got the golden ticket to go to Big's backyard uh one of uh, laz's races in tennessee um we've talked about it a couple times on this podcast before uh with don reichelt and uh the winner of 2019 maggie guterl um so if you're interested in that, you can go back and check those episodes out. Uh, but then we get into his race at Across the Years, where Matt decided, for whatever reason, he wanted to run the six-day event. And during that event, he <laughs> he ran 435 miles uh, over six days. Um, we also talked about this event with pete kustelnik um like a month ago or a couple months ago um and that's how i kind of got connected with matt here so um you know th- another perspective on that same event and man six days running loops that's that's tough man i mean i personally cannot even imagine <laughs> um but it's super cool hearing matt's perspective on that and really like he's driven he's a driven confident runner who wants to become a great backyard ultra runner he wants to really be accomplished in that format and he also wants to uh, wants to be a beast at the really long multi-day events like the six-day events Uh, so much though that you can follow this along, uh, starting July 1st at 9am and ending July 7th at 9am, Matt's going to go for the, uh, Canadian six day record, which is 870 kilometers, uh, which is also 540 miles in six days. Um, you know we recorded this podcast about a month ago uh but just kind of messaging him back and forth in preparation of releasing it this week um he said he's feeling good he said he's feeling really good and he's 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 looking forward to to that event so um If it's something that, (laughs) if watching some guy run for six days and go for a record uh, interests you, which it does me, so I'm totally tuning in on this, um, be sure to kind of follow along on his journey at go underscore Shep, S-H-E-P, on Instagram, and I'm sure he will have updates along the way. Along with uh, Personal Peak, uh, it's the performance company that... uh, Matt coaches for. Um, so you can check that out. They're the group of, of they're the group. They're the company that put on the, uh, quarantine backyard ultra, which some of you guys might have tuned into, uh, just one more story we get into, and then we'll start the podcast. But Matt was the runner who decided to run, uh, a significant amount of that backyard ultra around and around and around a coffee shop. And so we'll talk about that here too. Um so yeah, let's get right into it though guys. This is the Like a Bigfoot Podcast number 205 with Ultra Runner Matt Shepherd. All right guys, I'm here with uh Matt Shepherd or Shep and uh yeah man, I got to say this right off the bat. I've taught one kid named Shep in 7th grade and he was super cool. So you got a lot to live up to, man.
1: Oh wow, okay. <laughs> I hear the the whole lot of Sheps are uh are all pretty good dudes.
0: I feel like if your name's Shep, you're a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we were just chatting, you were talking a little bit about Alaska and growing up in Alaska and Washington. So can I, like, I would love to hear just like what that experience was like before we really dive into the ultra running.
1: Yeah. I mean, I suppose I grew up kind of, um, in a rural community in Washington. Um, so I spent a lot of time just, you know, hanging out alone in the woods with my dog. Uh, then I moved to Alaska and lived there, you know, in my high school years. And it was, uh, you know, more of the same, just living in, in the woods. It's a, a small island. Uh, the community's called Sidka, Alaska. You may have heard of it from the movie, The Proposal. Um, <laughs> I That's the most common one I get is, oh, like in The Proposal. Yeah, that city, but unfortunately it wasn't filmed there. Oh, that's a bummer. But uh, but just beautiful um, you know, landscapes. A huge mountain there that I I love to climb called Verstovia. In fact, it's it's my favorite place in the entire world. I have it tattooed on the my uh, on my ribs. <laughs> this is a reminder of kind of home and and uh, you know just that challenge. It's a very very steep mountain.
0: I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Dang yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> the uh, the climb up is is it unforgiving. There's are some areas where it's just You have to use your hands and your feet um you know it's a it's a it's a maintained trail but it's a rough maintained trail wow man
0: well so let's can we talk about that a little bit like when you go up and down the same mountain a whole bunch of times like i don't know can you just talk to that experience because there's something awesome obviously about going out and doing like a new area but when you like really truly know the trail and you know all the nooks and crannies of it like that's a really cool experience too
1: yeah absolutely I mean, I love getting out and just exploring new areas just going like and just seeing where the trail takes me uh so, you know anytime I'm on the road I always try to find a new trail to get out on uh, but you know having that home like that home base where you know like I know how long it's going to take me to get from this point to that point and if I'm having a a poor day it, you know might take me a little bit longer or if I'm having a good day i'm I'm gonna be a little bit faster so like just kind of knowing every, like you said, every nook and cranny. Um, it's a really like diverse like trail because it's so, it's so steep, but it has these um, small sections of flat when you hit like a shoulder, and you know some areas where you're scrambling up just rocks, just trying. You know, like it's a uh, hands and feet. There's a there's some ropes where people have tied off. So you know, it's a, it's just a, it is a lot of change and variation kind of keep you on your feet so i find going up that you know it's not just uh like here in valley view is flat <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> flat i get out all my my runs are on gravel back roads and so just that that huge difference of going from you know the monotony of a of a flat road versus you know a trail that changes terrain every like you know 100 yards
0: yeah yeah man well and i almost find like the flat roads to be more painful which is really weird and people who i think are not trail runners like i don't think they fully understand that but are you do you have the same experience
1: yeah you know like absolutely hands down the mountains are my favorite place to run um just for the you know the beauty of it and also like you know just it's quiet there's not a bunch of vehicles around which is what you find when you're running on the road um, but I excel at that. Just turn your brain off yeah. and go. That's, that's, that's where I do well. So I kind of have to spend a lot of time playing in that sandbox, but yeah, anytime I get a chance to just go out and have some fun, it's going to definitely be on some trail. Oh yeah. Well,
0: looking at your ultra sign up, obviously. Yeah. Of 100% you excel at that monotony, you know, which, which I definitely, I want to get into for sure. Um, what what ended up like? Because you know we were sending messages a bit, and you said you accidentally ran an ultra
1: in twenty ten. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I accidentally. It wasn't like I <laughs> I tripped and it was an ultra. Uh, I was so I I had found out like I had been running um, since I since I was about eighteen years old. Uh, I started running, and then you know, my distances increased, but I, I was never really into like racing. Cause I, I knew I wasn't fast. So I, you know, I would cover a marathon. Um, but I, you know, it was just, just for me by myself. Right. I didn't go because I, I didn't feel like I was a runner. I was just out there. I I was slow. Right. And then I heard about this guy, I think in, in like, um, 20 early 2010 or or late 29, uh, 2009, I, I heard about this guy who'd, who had run a, a hundred miles. And I was like, people run a hundred miles in 24 hours. And so I said, okay. And I, and I set up my own, um, 24 hour race, just like on the Island cause sick is an Island and it's a small community. Um, and nobody was really keen on jumping on this 24 hour race. They're like, you're crazy. Um, so I put it a goal. I was going to do 24 hours and I did it because I'm a very wise uh, person at that age, I I did it on November 11th, which is Veterans Day, <laughs> and it was just terrible weather. It was snowing and, and and sleet and wind, and I I started at I think I think I think I started at 9 p.m. So <laughs> I wanted to get the night done first, and so by 9 a.m. I was just I couldn't keep my body temperature up. I was uh, just soaking wet. I I probably hadn't eaten nearly as much as I needed to. And so I called it so it like 53 miles, I think was what I did. Um, 53 or 54 somewhere in there and you know, 12 hours. It was, it was a good effort for my first try. Um, and so yeah, just kind of like before I knew there was an ultra scene, I went, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go and try to do this. And then I found there, there are races all over the place just like this. It wasn't yeah. just a one-off that somebody did. And, uh, yeah, so I actually didn't run another ultra uh, outside of just, like, training on my own until 2017 when I took on uh, the Canadian Death Race in Grand Cache.
0: That's, that's crazy, man. It's such a unique story. And,
1: first of all, you're telling me that race directors
0: should not schedule a November 11th race in Alaska?
1: Yeah, not a great idea. Um, <laughs> tends to be a little bit chilly. <laughs> around that time
0: of year you got to do like alaska summer right like 24 hours no you know it'll never get dark that'd be awesome
1: yeah right set up one of those that uh, like on maybe june 21st do a a 24 hours of daylight run oh there i mean i'm sure there
0: is right like there has to be at this point but oh, that, that would be amazing what a good idea because everyone always says like you know when it gets dark out that's the the hardest part
1: For me personally um i i really enjoy uh like the sunset that transition from daytime to nighttime but i find it's the hardest time for me uh to run like once i get into the night it's good and and uh once i'm in the day it's good but those transitions they just they wreak havoc on me yeah yeah why why do you think that is um i'm not certain maybe perhaps uh like the adjustment that it takes like it takes a little bit of a adjustment as it becomes lighter and darker with your eyes you know and so i think maybe just that uh kind of focus that it takes causes me to uh c- kind of come out of my meditation space like i try to um you know you you want to turn your brain off but you, that's it's difficult to just think of nothing so you kind of try to go into this meditative space um or if I do personally, that's kind of how I manage it. And I think when, when I'm transitioning from, you know, day to night or night to day, I have to be a little bit more mindful um, because of, you, you can't quite see the changes in terrain as well. So you, you're a little bit more focused on what you're doing uh, with your feet or for me personally, anyway. Um, and I think that's probably what causes it. And also perhaps cause like once the sun goes down, it's nighttime yeah and you're ready to uh ready to go to bed that's normal bedtime
0: yeah yeah well do you think the 24 hour like I mean first of all 53 54 miles for your very first attempt is absolutely incredible um but do you think like really not having I mean were there other people out there with you or
1: yeah so I had um I was dating this girl at the time uh and she was crewing for me and then I, uh, I had a buddy, Dave Nevins, who is also, he's a, an endurance athlete and he came by to give me some advice and pointers and, and, uh, just chat and stuff. So that was, that was really great. He did a little article about it. Um, but yeah, being that it's a, it's kind of a remote place, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, ultra endurance athletes that were keen on getting out there. So I tried to rope some friends in, but it was me rolling solo, which is, which is all right. I don't mind, um you know, getting out there and and doing my thing. I'm, I'm pretty content, uh, because, you know, generally I I won't listen to music. Um, if I run by myself, I'm just like to enjoy the silence. And like I said, get into that kind of meditative flow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, I was just, I guess I was trying to get at, like, do you think you ended up giving it up because, you know, there was not a lot of stakes really like no one else is out there, you know, really the only stakes is you set this goal and, and that's it, you know, like it's one of those moments where if you quit, nobody really cares. And if you accomplish it, nobody really cares. So it's kind of like, Oh, that's like that hard mental battle. I'm sure you have to go through.
1: Oh, you know, like that is the key struggle, right? Is like how, when you get out and you're in those dark spaces, um, I I call them dark spaces. Like kind of sometimes you'll be running and you just, you'll have that conversation with yourself. Like, do I really want to do this? Like how far are you going to push yourself? Like, where are you going? At what point are you going to say, this is enough? Um, especially with races that don't have a definitive, uh, end, right? Like if a timed race or, uh, you know, a backyard style race. You say, you know, like when, at what point do I call it enough? Especially if you've got, um, you know, like uh, an injury that's starting to crop up or, you know, something that's uncomfortable, you got to say, you know, is, is that enough? Or do I go one more? Like where, when am I going to break? Or either like what, at what point do I say I've done enough and I can be happy with my results. Right. Like that, that's the biggest, the biggest hurdle to overcome when you're doing something like that. It's just kind of like, where where do you call it and if if you can overcome that then it's like then there's no limit right yeah
0: when i think that's i mean
1: to just jump ahead almost into
0: (laughs) what you've been up to since 2017 you've been doing a lot of the uh backyard ultra kind of formats where it's like keep running circles until there's one person left and and that's i think what you just said is what It's at least what captures my imagination about the whole event, you know, like when does, when does someone decide when to quit and is how, how is that different throughout a whole entire field of runners?
1: Oh, exactly. That's, I mean, and that's just it, right? Like, that's what makes that format so intriguing. And like, I, yeah, I heard about it from uh, my buddy, Dave Proctor he he hosted one last year and i was like well that sounds like a hoot so yeah i kind of i took that on and uh it was there was kind of like with that one um i felt really confident going in i kind of i kind of knew that i was i was going to be there for the like i didn't have a finish time in mind yeah it was go until everybody stops um which worked out well you know like that's how i got my golden ticket to to bigs in 2019 but I've definitely, you know, you face that same thing every, every time you get to that point where you go, like, you look at the other competitors and you go, okay, like, I feel like perhaps I can go two or three more, but this guy looks like he's going to go 10. Yeah. And then you go, do you, like, what is the point of going four more laps if this guy's going to win anyway? <laughs> that's this, so true. Or this guy or this girl. Yeah. You know, like, so that is, that's the, the, the key struggle. You go, You know, where do I say, okay, like this is, you know, as far as you can go today or this is as far as you need to go because that's what, you know, when your, when your brain wants you to be comfortable, it says, Hey, you've done enough hard work today. Like go lay down, you're done. (laughs) And you got to just tell that like, we'll, we'll quit when we're finished.
0: That's crazy, man. So that was the, uh, the outrun backyard ultra.
1: Yeah, I'll run Rare Backyard Ultra in uh, Millerville.
0: Okay. Dang man. Well, okay. We'll get. I. I kind of want to go somewhat in order. So you end up doing the Canadian Death Race. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah. So this was my my return to running after um, after I I took an injury in like two twenty thirteen an IT band. And I just kind of I, I laid off running for about two years, and it really just like I packed on a ton of weight. I I was really focused. I had moved just moved to Canada, and I was working in the oil patch, so like just working all day every day, uh, not eating healthy, not exercising, and you know it just it really took a number on me. So I kind of was like, all right, I need to get get it together, right? So I started training. And I said, I'm going to take on the death race, like, <laughs> right, just <laughs> right, right back to, it's 125 kilometers, um, up and over a couple of mountains here in Alberta. And, uh, yeah, so I started training and, and I was a strength coach. Like, um, I had been a strength coach previously and then at, here in Valley View, I, I worked at the multiplexer so as a strength coach. So I, I had like the principles of, of strength training and then I applied those to my, run training which is not the greatest way to kind of it's it's a basic approach that most people take like add more volume add more volume add more volume yeah um and so you know i just i i tried doing it that way and i got out there and i made it i think like 110 kilometers and i blew up just there was nothing left in the tank and and i had to walk it into the next aid station and and call it
0: wow man what is it when the wheels just completely fall off the bus, like, are you trying different strategies or are you just like tapping out at that point?
1: So, yeah, so it was a, I mean, I started off pretty strong. Um, and then there's this just atrocious downhill, they call the power line and it's on like two, like pretty early in the race. Like I think somewhere around like, um, 50 kilometers in 40 kilometers in. And, um, you're coming down, and when I got down, my quads were just alone. You know,
0: yeah, all the veterans of that race are just walking down that hill, like looking at everyone, just sprint down. They're like, Yeah, they're gonna blow up.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, and this is my second attempt at, at an ultra, my first attempt at like an organized ultra. And uh, so I, you know, I get out there and I, you know, I'm not feeling correctly. Uh, I know this now like I was just you know the experience that you don't have um, when you first start out and so I, I definitely didn't feel correctly and this was the only time I've ever experienced the bonk or the wall and let me tell you it is just there is it's so weird to not have control of your legs like of your body, when you try to like, you're like, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And then it just doesn't, you just fall down. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a really interesting feeling. And so, yeah, definitely learned a lesson there for sure.
0: Wow. Was it just like complete strength just lost out of your legs?
1: It was, so it was the final climb. And, um, I remember like, I just barely made the cutoff, uh, to cross the river, which is like the, the last leg you have to cross um you have to get a like a ferry across the river and it stops at 6 a.m and and i just i maybe got it with like three minutes to spare. uh so i get across this ferry and i'm like okay you gotta lean into this if you're gonna make it the whole way and it was this huge climb and i'm just going hard <laughs> and i get about three quarters of the way up and and yeah just like there was not. Like, i started feeling very ill in my stomach and then um like i would i would be taking i would go to take a step and you know how sometimes when you've got like uh those shaky legs maybe you get up on on stage or something and you got your legs just start feeling shaky yeah yeah and it was kind of it started (laughs) like that and then all of a sudden you put one foot down and you just there was no no it was almost like it wasn't there you just fall
0: Wow like now as a more kind of experienced you know at (laughs) I mean we'll get into it but like really really ridiculously long miles like what would you have done differently in that race
1: Uh, like definitely bring it back. Like I was, I came out, like I was going to win it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I blew through the first aid station because I, I hardly sipped any water and I was like, I got lots of water. I'm going to get on up this. And so, you know, just really not listening to my body, just going like, I'm going to beat it with sheer will and determination. And yeah, like definitely, um, Uh, not a smart move right from the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. So after that, like did that, uh, like extinguish your, you know, passion, (laughs) like did it make you want to do more ultras or was it like, uh, I tried it. It didn't go well. I'm kind of over this.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely had that moment where I was, you know, immediately after where you're just like, I guess maybe ultra distance isn't for me, and, and then on the, before I even made it home, I only live about four hours away and I, on the drive home, I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back. I like, I can beat this race. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was a pretty quick turnaround where I was like, I'm going <laughs> to, I can do this. I just need to do it better.
0: Yeah. Have you always been like a bold person? Cause I think just going in to the, like something that is called the Canadian death race and then being like. I got this and just starting to sprint. Like that seems like a very bold move.
1: Yeah. I mean, bold or, um, naive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I'm, I'm a very uh, like type a personality. I'm, you know, I've always been a high energy person and I, and I always kind of, uh, find myself in, in those like extreme situations, you know, like just like ultra or even in all areas of my life. I just try to like, end it
0: yeah yeah i i mean you got to respect it and sometimes it pays off you know
1: oh yeah for sure and you know like definitely i think i think that was one of one of the better lessons that i learned like looking back knowing um that today if i go run an ultra if i if i fuel correctly and if i treat myself right and i do things the right way Like I know how much I have in the tank because of how hard I went in that race. Like I know that as long as I'm taking, like when I'm in, when I'm running and I go, as long as I'm taking on some fuel and I'm getting water, I I know that I could run for another 12 hours without eating or drinking anything because I did it. You know, like (laughs) I, I, I I went to that extreme. So I think, you know, like, Um, I think David Goggins calls it the cookie jar. Yeah. Um, we can kind of look back and say like, I know, I know I've been deeper in the pain cave, so I'll be okay.
0: So you almost, I would like, based off of this, I'm like, you almost need to just go out and completely crash and burn just to, just so you have that experience. So in the future in a race, you're like, well, at least it's not as bad as the 2017 Canadian death race, right?
1: I, I mean, I don't want to encourage people to go and explode, but you know, yeah, I mean, I was, I was fortunate to be able to, to have that opportunity and to come away from it without any significant injuries. Yeah. Though.
0: I know. That's always the huge thing, right? Like you don't want to go out there and be bold and then hurt yourself. And now you can't run for a year.
1: Exactly. Right. Like, cause then that's the struggle where you go, is this far enough today? Cause I know um especially in the ultra running world you you can go you know there's people in their 40s and 50s that are yeah. still breaking um you know national records so it's it's a you know there's a lot of longevity in the sport if you if you take care of your body so you know, that's that's where that struggle comes in is this enough for today
0: yeah no that's so true man and i love the sport so much that when i'm 50 i I still want to be doing this when i'm 60 i still want to be doing this you know what i mean just because for me like i just love getting out there exploring being in the woods being in the mountains being in the desert wherever like just being out in the wilderness you know that's the thing that just drives me you know to actually go out and sign up for races and and go out and have a good time you know and enjoy them
1: yeah. And then like the race community as well. Like there's oh, just of course, so yeah. many so many people, especially in the ultra community. Like if you do ultra, it seems like you're doing ultra in every aspect of your life. Like so many people who are CEOs or, you know, these, they'd have these great jobs. Like, um, I just read Mike Wardian. you know, what he does yeah. He's an international ship broker. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. I just I did a race this summer and there was I think there was five guys in the race. But like the jobs that everyone did, it was just like, when else are we going to get people who are just from all walks of life all together doing the same thing going down the same exact trail like it was it was so cool.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I, I really look forward to the day we can do that again. I know, man.
0: I, that's, that's one huge aspect that I'm really missing right now. I think there's a lot. And, you know, I would definitely want to hear about your quarantine backyard ultra, uh, in a coffee shop nonetheless. Um, but there's a lot that we still can do as ultra runners, you know, like, you going out, exploring local trails and and really pushing like people have pushed and pushed. Like it's been crazy to see some of the challenges people have come up with. Um, but there is that community aspect. That's that's been the hardest thing because obviously you can't reenact that
1: right now. Yeah. Right. Like, it, I mean, the virtual challenges are terrific. Like being able to, to log in and communicate, you get that kind of like uh that sense of camaraderie when you do, um, I, I have a lot of friends that have been doing the, uh, the Iron Man series, those virtual Ironman. Oh yeah. Um, so like, you know, just they have that motivation like, okay, this week, I'm going to get out and do this one and this week. I, but I, I worry the implications of that with everybody, um, you know, going out and racing every weekend because there's so many virtual races now and they're they're very affordable, uh, if not free in some case in some cases. So, you know, you people are getting out and they're doing you know, competing every weekend. Um, like I, I like to encourage my my athletes to, you know, utilize this time for training and that's kind of yeah. what I'm trying to do is say like, Okay, I now have no races to interrupt um my training season and I'll just do a nice clean build um up until they they start racing again I guess yeah
0: yeah well that's that's really good advice because I think there's there is an aspect of going online and almost being peer pressured in the ultra community because you see all of these people yeah. doing such cool Sorry. amazing events but now we're taking it because you know usually you know in normal years you see people out there and they're doing like Western States and you're like, Oh, that'd be so awesome. But you can't like go just sign up for Western States the week before. Right. But now Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, I saw this guy run a hundred miles in his neighborhood. Technically I could just go out, within the next 10 minutes and start that you know and so there is that temptation to just go out and get after it and i think your advice is like really really wise actually this all this being said i did just sign up for my first virtual race <laughs> because i needed i wanted to do a 50k and i needed that extra motivation because otherwise i guarantee you i'd get to mile 20 on a run by myself and just be like eh, you
1: know i'm good Definitely. And like that's absolutely true, you know, like if you have that thing to look forward to, um, you know, like have your motivator, like I have my motivators, you know. I I know that next year I'll be racing. And yeah. so like everything that I can do um to make myself better for that, then you know, or I might even be racing as soon as October. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Laz if you're listening. <laughs>
0: If Laz is listening, my mind is gonna be blown right now. Um, I'm o- I only signed up for this race honestly for the 50k distance for that inspiration, but also it had a cool shirt. So I'll admit it. Um, that's how that's
1: where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, you got to have that cool swag. <laughs> exactly. Ninety percent of my wardrobe is race swag,
0: dude. Mine too, man. I, you know, I every Friday I teach middle school every Friday at my school like. You know, it's more like casual days. And I'm like, all all I have to wear is race T-shirts. Like, but I feel weird wearing it, you know?
1: Yeah. Do do your students ask you about, like, your performances?
0: They kind of do, but I think at the same time, like, they just can't fully wrap their heads around what it actually is you know where if i'm like hey you know i went out and ran a 50 miler they would think i was like sprinting for 50 miles i'm like yeah i walked a lot and ate some pizza uh (laughs) and i smelled bad (laughs) imagine that
1: but yeah right i mean middle schoolers i imagine they're probably a hard bunch to impress hey
0: oh dude yeah yeah you're like hey you know you could be like hey i uh i got to uh perform a rock and roll show at Madison Square Garden. They'd be like, yeah, that's cool, but were you on YouTube? And I'd be like, oh, no. Sorry, hey, guys. Check out this TikTok. Yeah, yeah, they're good for the ego, man, honestly.
1: Yeah, right on. <laughs> Keep <laughs> um, it in check.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, man, so you ended up uh, just jumping then into all of these kind of backyard last runner standing format like why did you choose that over you know some of the more classic and traditional ultra runs
1: honestly it was just by luck yeah. um so in early like let's see early 2019 i uh i teamed up with personal peak because uh, i was like you know what like it's always been my dream uh, you know, since I did that first one, I said, I really just, I want to do this. I want to be an ultra. And I just love, I love running. I love being out there. And I found that like, although I'm not fast, I can, I can go for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, I, I kind of felt like if I, if I was to do this correctly, I feel like I could, I could do it well. And so I, so I hired a personal peak as my coach and it just took off. And, uh, you know, like I started, I was getting better and I, right, right around that same time I saw Dave uh posted his race the backyard style and I was like oh hey that's pretty neat I, I hadn't heard of it previously and I was like that's kind of that's a neat concept I think you know like with my skill set I might be better suited for something like that than um a mountainous race because I, I found that the hills really kick my bum so I was like okay let's let's train for this one and and I, you know, I really enjoy the work that Dave does. So I wanted to support him. And, uh, so I get out there for the race and yeah, it just turns out that was my jam.
0: That's yeah. What was it about it? Like, and how, how, uh, soon into the race did you realize like, oh, I'm actually like
1: really good at this. So this was kind of a funny race because what happened is the night, uh, before it started raining and it just didn't stop. It was torrential. In fact, Uh, it rained so much. They had to reroute the course twice because the river, um, came up and flooded over the course. And we, so we ended up having to run, uh, like loops inside of a horse track. (laughs) What?
0: How many loops did you have to run for that?
1: Um, so it was like each, each lap you had to run to the horse track and then do six laps inside the horse track and then run back. (laughs) So yeah, silly. Um, but yeah, it was about. I think it was somewhere around, um, somewhere maybe close to the hundred k mark when we we switched to the uh, to the inside, like to, or the outdoor horse track. Um, but it was just so so sticky, muddy that all of the, um, you know, the 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 smaller runners, the light ones, were uh, gone. They just the the mud really sucked them down, and so you get to the about the twenty four hour mark. And it was just a handful of us, and it was the, you know just the big guys like me um you know i'm a, I'm a kind of a larger runner, and so you know it was that was who was left uh me and Kevin Barada and uh derek we uh you know kind of the in the hundred and seventy pound plus class
0: that's awesome that's such like that's so cool because that's kind of like what you wouldn't expect from an ultra running event, you know
1: yeah it was really interesting to see like you didn't there was you know all these big guys here at the at the end battling it out um because the the beginning was just so heavy and and difficult on the legs trying to pull through all that mud
0: wow man that's okay so is it the same format as laz's like the 4.1 mile loop
1: yeah, exactly. It's the same same format and it was a it was a golden ticket race. So, okay. the winner of that one, provided that they did uh at minimum 32 laps, uh then they would be admitted to run at the uh, at Big's, at Big Dog Backyard in Tennessee.
0: Which did you even have that in the back of your mind like that was a possibility or I mean, did you even know about the race cuz you said this was kind of the first time you heard about this format?
1: So, yeah, so I had heard about the golden ticket And I knew that, you know, the winner of this race was going to get a golden ticket, but I didn't know at the start that it had to be a minimum of 32. Okay. So, um, somewhere around like 23 hours, uh, 22, somewhere in the early hours of the morning, I, I was, I was thinking, okay, you know, we're getting down to the last couple and I, I want to let these guys know, like, it definitely was apparent, uh, to the field that I was, leading I I definitely looked the best Uh, I was coming in far ahead of everybody else and so I wanted to kind of like play that mind game like okay I'm going to show you how fresh my legs are and I ran a couple of like really fast well really fast for me Um, but you know about 40 to 42 minute loops just to kind of like let them know how fresh i was and people started dropping because they go they that same kind of mental struggle yeah they go, okay like i only think i could do five more but this guy looks like he's going to go forever Yeah. And they just say i'm not even going to bother it's and, crazy you
0: have to play you
1: probably have to play those mental games i mean it, it definitely is part of the strategy yeah uh like you don't want to let your opponent know that you're struggling and because it, it almost it almost feeds them. If they go, like, he looks like he's about to quit. I'm going to go another lop. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go another. Yeah, so. Um,
0: Did you play a lot of poker before this, just to get your poker face on?
1: <laughs> yeah. I used to play Texas Hold'em. I love, I love there that There you
0: game. go, man. Those skills play in.
1: There you go. Every little <laughs> bit counts, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so you're looking strong. I mean, you went two hundred and fourteen miles, and
1: oh, that, kilometers, 214 oh kilometers, two hundred fourteen
0: kilometers. Excuse me, and I mean, could you have kept going at the end? Like, how how long do you think you potentially could have went before finally calling it a day? Oh, a couple that's days. Tough. Like, because yeah.
1: looking back right now, I feel like I could have gone forever. But in the moment, probably I was ready to call it quits. Yeah, um, I not you know, like you said, it was the, it was my first time even going that distance, um, you know, I never even covered a hundred miles prior to that. Well, I mean, outside of, uh, you know, like just in my own time. And, uh, so, you know, it's my first, first time kind of getting into this distance at this speed. And I, uh, I, 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 like I said, I, I showed off how fresh my legs were and people start dropping. And then my coach tells me, Hey man, if you, If nobody else goes to 32 hours, then you're done and you don't get to go. So you better like tune it down a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Keeping you in check.
1: Exactly. So so it comes down to just me and one guy. And I, and we had a conversation. I'm just like, Hey man, I really want to go to this race. Do you think you can, you make it to 31? And he, he says, I'll, I'll try. Like we, both of us know that how this race is going to end, but this guy, so Kevin Barada, fantastic dude he um he sticks in for like another four or five laps just so that we could get like after the point where he says i'm done he, he put in four or five more laps so that he we could get 232 so that i could go to tennessee which was dude I mean, that's how selfless right yeah
0: yeah so wait it's if he doesn't do that you can't just keep running laps by yourself
1: no, once you're once you're alone, you get your your last your final lap um to secure the win and then you're done. Oh man. So he ran 31 and then I ran the 32nd.
0: That's like friends for life right there.
1: Yeah, oh, totally.
0: <laughs> That's crazy, man. Like I mean, that I once again like the community in ultra running. What other sport would someone who's technically your uh, opponent actually sacrifice that much pain that much misery and exhaustion just to see you succeed that's really cool
1: and i mean even the implications from there because um being my first like official ultra and i take away a win like for my confidence that was fantastic but it also meant that i was going on this um you know this journey to the world championships uh which again really boosts that ego Um, and you know, and then I, so I go and I run these, all these spaces in, in, uh, the U S and then I get to go to the, the, uh, big dog race in Tennessee. And so like, it just kind of kicked off this whole, um, racing season of 2019. That just was phenomenal. And I, and I don't know if I would have like pursued it as enthusiastically had I not, um, kind of had such a great performance at, at uh the outrun rare yeah
0: yeah was that was that your first time traveling down to uh to like the south like southeast
1: uh i went to let's see i went to basic training in at fort jackson in south carolina so i've been been down there before and then florida but otherwise no i hadn't been in, in that um that area of the U S before.
0: Yeah. What'd you think, of uh, Tennessee, like what's it, obviously, you know, you said we mentioned Alaska, we mentioned, um, you know, Canada and, and now you're down, like, how is, how does that differ compared to those other places where you've ran?
1: you know, they, I mean, the trees there are, you know, they got nice, big, beautiful trees, a lot of history in that area. Um, I went to the, the, let's see the Cumberland caverns oh my gosh unbelievable yeah so that was that was really neat just kind of like the the terrain there's you know it's kind of like a mix of uh rock lots of lots of mountain and rock and trees
0: that's yeah man it's it's just there's it's it feels old like once you're down in the like Appalachian mountains or the hills kind of in the southeast I don't know what it is but like it just feels kind of like ancient and and i don't know it's just really unique to run down there i really love it down in that area
1: yeah that's yeah i guess that's uh, what i was getting at with his history it feels like there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's gone on there you know
0: yeah yeah for sure so how many days beforehand did you get to uh to bell buckle tennessee
1: um i got there about two weeks before week and a half um and just i i was traveling with my travel trailer so I pulled that down there and then, uh, just set up camp and hung out, tried to get a lay of the land.
0: Yeah. Were you tempted to go to the Barkley course?
1: Oh, so, so bad. I wanted to <laughs> go take a rip up there, but it's, it's actually quite a ways away from uh bell buckle okay. a couple of hours. So I thought, okay, well I'll, uh, I'll get up there one of these days.
0: Yeah. So what do you do like a week beforehand? I mean, so I talked to, a. Uh, um a couple people who did the bigs backyard and it's just funny like this is kind of since it's such like a new format i think the ways to train for it and think about it and prepare for it they're all unique to the runner and and so it's just i'm always interested to hear how you guys like actually get ready for something like this
1: yeah and that's something you know that's definitely been Uh, I've kind of been adapting as, like I said, this was like my first big race season. Um, And so like just kind of learning how to, how to do it better. uh, Definitely like each time you do it, you get a little bit of a takeaway. Um, Like this last one that I did, I found that short shortening my rest period, it was actually much nicer than um, having 20 minutes or 15 minutes to sit down. And I, I, I learned that, um, six day in in yeah. Arizona that that I don't need nearly as much sleep as I had been trying to get. So being able to look at that um, and say, okay, let's let's drop the focus on sleep and focus more here. And so e- each time you kind of try out a, a new thing, and you say, okay, like I think this strategy is the way to go. Like um, you know, here's what I've learned in my last race, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna train with this strategy in mind, and then try that out and if it works then you carry it forward if it doesn't work can i you know tweak it to make it work better or maybe i need to look at another strategy so you know race experience is fantastic uh as long as you're you know making sure you kind of take notes of things take take uh take note of how you're feeling and how how things are working and it's like important to do it during the race and after the race before you start to forget. So yeah, uh, th- just every time you, you go into a race, it's going to be a little bit different uh, depending on how, you know, like what your, what your strategy was.
0: Yeah. Are you looking at the other racers and learning from them as well? Are you like, Oh, like, you know, I see how much there's, uh, how much sleep they're getting or, you know, they're drinking a protein shake every four laps. Maybe I should try that or something.
1: I mean, to an extent, I mean, in general, you're, you want to kind of know like what's working for everybody as a whole, but, uh, training is so unique for, for every person. Like I know, uh, people like, you know, you look at Camille Heron, who she pounds in burritos and beer, uh, and, and she runs and she's amazing. Uh, or somebody like Lucy Bartholomew, who's, uh, she's plant-based. And she does amazing. So, you know, like everybody has their own, like I wear ultras. Some people wear hokas. Other people wear brooks. It, everybody kind of has their yeah. own way to do things. So if I try to like replicate whatever somebody else is doing, I won't, I'm not going to succeed because I'm on my own journey. Um, I guess a good way to look at it is like if I try to go and, and run Western States and keep up with the front of the pack, like that's not how I run so i would explode even yeah. if i did exactly what they did i'm, I, I'm not going to succeed so like find, finding your own personal journey and like run run against the race and not against the other races and that's that's i think probably why i enjoy um the backyard format so much is because you don't you're never racing against anybody else oh that's Just true man i didn't even you're think about in that. first place until you, until you quit. You're
0: in first place
1: until you're in last place, basically. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, man, that's awesome. What, like, what was it like meeting Laz? He seems like such a cool, interesting, and you know, everyone I've talked to who have, who've met him in person, they're like, he's just like a genius. It's just, you just feel that It's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean he's a super nice guy. You can tell that he's there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than he lets on. Yeah. Um you know he's he's definitely a country country kid, born and raised that uh, that much as a parent and uh but he's he's definitely got he's got an eye for for kind of how people look at things. He's got he understands what makes things difficult.
0: Yeah, he probably has such a weird unique perspective on intentional suffering. Yeah, exactly. Like, I wonder if, if I was like a fancy psychologist or something, I'm like, I got to study that guy. Like, I just want to know and hear about the experiences, like what he's seen and what he's witnessed and, and, and things like that. Like, it just has to be really interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, he gets kind of a firsthand account anytime somebody quits, um, yeah, his races, he goes like you know he gets to hear you know what was it that caused that person to break and you know then he can kind of use that against you in future races <laughs> like oh okay you don't like it when it rains I don't know how he's gonna figure that out but. yeah he's
0: like I'll just have water hanging from trees pouring on you I don't know, I don't know there you, you go uh, yeah man that's interesting why why do you think like being there and and experiencing it and racing it like what was some of the common reasons that people uh
1: stopped and people quit i mean with that one it's it's usually an injury or something that's causing them to be uncomfortable and then like it's that feeling of you know okay i've got um this knee injury that's starting to crop up and you know this there's 20 other people and they all look like they're, you know, feeling great. I'm not going to injure myself to go five more laps when I feel like they're going to go 10. And so, um, it, it, once it gets kind of into the later stages, I find that, uh, I hear a lot of people say like, Oh, I I was starting to get like, my knee was starting to hurt or I was, I was starting to chafe, or this was occurring. Um, but then it's funny because if you if you listen to those people uh the next morning or you know a few even a few hours later sometimes they'll uh they'll be saying oh, i could have gone one more lap i could have gone five. <sighs> <more. laughs> oh
0: and man was,
1: that's such it's so hard because you know you train for so long for this event and then like to call it early is is tough yeah
0: wow man well, so what
1: what made you tap out Ooh, so this one was glorious. I, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty certain I, I must have had the flu. I, so around around hour 20, um, I just start – I'm sweating profusely. It's the middle of the night. I'm not running hard, and I'm just, I can't stop sweating. I can't – and then I can't take on calories, and it's just – it's going downhill. And, um, yeah, I just – as soon as I, I got off the track and got home, it was just like – expelling demons
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man but you went but it looks like you went like 30 more
1: miles almost yeah i I think i did like 20 i blew up i i didn't make my 28th lap i think i think that's the lap i i missed it by about four or five minutes
0: oh so you actually went back out there and you went for it and just didn't make the time
1: yeah, I was, I mean, I was pretty dead set that I wasn't going to quit my chair. Um, and I went out every, like my coach was there and he, you know, he said like, okay, you know, you only have so much time between laps if you're, if you're going slow. And as I was, you know, getting dehydrated and I'm not eating and I'm trying to like, okay, what can we do to solve this problem? And, you know, we ran out of time and it's just like, okay, go on the loop when you come back, we'll solve it. And unfortunately I didn't make it back. So that was, that was that, that it that's that I mean like you you just there's just no room for error when you're when you're running hour after hour after hour and so I mean it was it was definitely a tough pill to swallow um but you know knowing that I am pretty pretty new to the game and I'm and I'm still young for the sport like is it's good to know like you're going to get so many more opportunities to do this like um learn from it move on yeah exactly exactly right yeah just take, take this experience and, and move forward with it. You know, once now, you know, you know, the course, you know, like what it's like, you know, where to set up, you know, what worked and what didn't. So, you know, you have that experience to take forward.
0: Yeah. Well, and new, new to the game and young and being invited to the world championship for it. Super cool.
1: Oh yeah, right, talk about an ego boost. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Was was I we interviewed Maggie, me and my friend Phil interviewed Maggie Gooderell for the show. Was she just like robot mode the
1: whole time? Um no, like you know, actually I didn't get too much time to uh, to chat with Maggie. Um we were running at different paces and yeah, like but from what I saw, I mean, she's human, right? You, you could see, she, you know, she wasn't hiding that she was in pain. Um, you know, her feet were hurting, but everybody's hurting, and you're kind of, you kind of commiserate over the mutual suffering, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, I heard um, too, like the community building. Speaking of the ultra community, the community at these these events, and what we're going to talk about in a second, the like looped courses across the years, like the community there is almost even like it's just expanded on because you're running these laps with the same people for hours and hours and hours and hours, you know, everyone, the leader and the person in last place, technically like time wise, they're all together at times. So it just builds that community.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, everybody's name by the end of it, you know, you know, you know, who's doing what in like, it's just, it's really great because you got to spend that time and, you know, chat with these people who, if you were in a point to point race, you know, they may have gotten out in front of you in the first leg and you won't see them until the end. Whereas this one, like, even if they are the first five or six hours, they're faster than you eventually, um, you know, you're going to be back in the corral together. So you'll have at least a moment to talk to them. If if that was, you know, what you wanted to do, you know, chat them up or try to keep pace. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, you get, you get that opportunity to kind of, really be a little bit more social which is you know th- these events are so fun for that for that aspect
0: yeah yeah well so okay so i'm looking at the results
1: dave proctor huh got third oh yeah that guy he did great 50 what 53 laps
0: uh i'm trying to see where it says laps it says he got 216 miles
1: Ooh, yeah That's he's a great runner and he's uh he just ran across Tennessee actually this morning finished up with a thousand twenty one twenty seven maybe thousand twenty seven kilometers in 15 days <laughs> he right? wait so
0: he did the virtual Tennessee thing
1: yeah running across Tennessee
0: and just crushed it dang man that's awesome well let's let's go like I do want to hear about across the because I had Pete on the show and it was just it's just funny like the, his perspective of I didn't know if I was going to win for six, almost six straight days, you know? And you were definitely, like, pushing his pace and and really, like, pushing him to, to really go for it.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny is I had no idea that he was struggling so hard. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can see on people's faces when they're like, okay, this is difficult. But, I mean, it's six days of running. Of course it's going to be difficult. Um, But I just – I had no idea, like, that he was, you know – looking over his shoulder and and had, I think had he let that on, I might have gave him a little bit more push. So, um, you know, hats off to him for, for being able to hide that well enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, yeah. So what was that experience like,
1: man? Like a six
0: day race? What, once again, very bold and (laughs) just being like, I think I could do it. I think I could do six days.
1: Yeah. So the draw for this one was actually, they had this, um, they had this challenge called, um, around the clock which was you have to log it's a it's a one mile track and so you had to log at least one lap per hour um and and that was your like that was your minimum and so for six days 144 hours you have to run so that's a minimum 144 miles in in six days which is sounds easy enough um but it is actually quite difficult like just having to get up out of you know, if you lay down and have a nap, you have to get up and get back at it, you know, like within minutes. Or you know, because every when you're you're sleeping for such a short time, every minute is is valuable, right? And so, trying to find time to you know do some self care and time to eat and um, you know and bank some sleep was uh, was definitely a challenge. But it, it was it was uh, the idea was to train to be better. backyard
0: yeah Yeah. so you went
1: into this as training for a
0: backyard race basically
1: yeah that was my goal I just wanted to see I said you know (laughs) I get I get six days to go as far as I can and I can do it in a a semi kind of backyard-esque style
0: yeah wow man yeah I
1: went down there with with my brothers and and uh we just gave her what we had
0: what was your strategy? Because I know Pete mentioned that your strategy was very, very much different than his.
1: So, yeah. And this is part of, like, what do what you get to take away from that? At my original strategy was I thought, okay, if I, if I go for five and a half hours and then I sleep, like, so five, five hours, and then I and, uh, finish that lap inside of that last, that sixth hour, um, then I could sleep. Uh, until the seventh hour, 15 minutes prior to the seventh hour, and then go do a lap. Um, and so every, every five and a half hours, I was going to get, you know, approximately about an hour of sleep, 15 minutes of sleep and, uh, and then do another lap. And that quickly went out the window.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The best laid plans always do.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was difficult. I definitely, day two was tough. Um, I, I came out kind of trying to hold on to Pete right from the beginning, but he's a fast runner. Like he just moves. Uh, and so I, I think I definitely came out too strong, especially for the amount of rest that I took in day one. You know, like I say, and I was trying to every five and a half hours. So, you know, I'm every, I'm stopping, slowing down and then getting back up for another, uh, run. And while it was great to have a little bit of extra sleep. It was, uh, you know, I would get up and I would be 10 miles behind Pete, so I'd have to lean into it, catch up. And, and so I think I just pushed too hard in day one, and it, and I had to pay for it on day two with uh, kind of blowing my sleep schedule away and, and just doing like a back-to-back sleep. So I went to sleep, got up, ran a lap.
0: And fell back like asleep, two or,
1: And then went back to sleep for 50 minutes and then got up, and that kind of helped me reset and get get rested
0: yeah man well and i have to think like just psychologically day two the end is so far away it's probably hard to get like i'm sure day one you're like super pumped and excited but day two you're like whoa like this is i'm in i'm in it now but there's no end in sight
1: yeah and and remember my my previous vest at this point now is 32 hours at backyard and only six months prior yeah so it was kind of it was kind of like a, uh you know okay you know what is really going to be possible for me at this time and uh and so yeah i just thought i'll take it one day at a time and so i took day two was was restful um as far as you can be in a a six-day race
0: yeah yeah dude i gotta uh, say your ultra sign up is one of the funniest ones i've ever seen because it goes from like Like there's nothing because it doesn't mention the Canadian death race, but it just goes outrun backyard ultra and then it's like 214 kilometers and you're like, what? And then it goes up to across the years, 435 miles and you're just like, this is insane.
1: Yeah, right. It's I I just go for it. Go big or go home, they say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. What like what lessons did you take away from that whole experience?
1: definitely the, the sleeping like i i am one of my special skills is my ability to sleep like on command anywhere um and i and i know like i knew going into this race that i could do that and that's why i thought like if i made a really strict sleep schedule i could manage you know knowing that here's how much i would get per day um and that that would be enough and so like knowing that i could lay down and just go to sleep was a uh, was definitely kind of one of my strategies going in. And so what I learned from, uh, from this event was that uh, I could not rely so much on my sleep. I don't need to focus and take that time to focus on sleep. Uh, sorry, here, I'm just gonna... Uh, so I, didn't have to, I don't have to spend that time focusing on when am I going to sleep and how am I going to sleep and how long is if I just kind of make a little bit more loose structure and go into it. I know that I can run on a very minimal amount of sleep, and when I need sleep, um, that like I can just take it when I need it. I don't. I don't need to plan to, uh, you know, like like I'm going to sleep at this time and I'm gonna sleep at this time.
0: Oh, that probably actually helps you fall asleep easier.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I I definitely I use that strategy in the in the virtual backyard on April fourth, and it was it definitely much nicer to not have like uh, like okay you need to lay down and sleep right now because this is the time you said you were going to sleep so like then it's like okay force yourself to sleep force yourself to sleep uh, versus hey I'm I'm tired I'm going to close my eyes and I'm immediately asleep
0: Yeah, that's like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like oh my god if I go back to sleep right now I'll get two more hours and then you just can't because you just start thinking about how you need to be sleeping and it's just not going to come
1: oh yeah absolutely and that is such a difficult space to be in especially when you're in a timed event and it's like the clock is constantly going in your head um you get your sleep 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 so i definitely understand the uh i was listening to the the podcast there with pete uh you know the struggle of that you know like repeating in your head like if you, you know you're not you're not sleeping you're not running you're not sleeping you're not running you know like it's struggle for sure.
0: Yeah, well not only that, but when you're just laying down trying to sleep, it also has to be in the back of your head like you're wasting time. Like you're not gonna fall asleep, you're wasting time. I don't know, that whole like self talk's probably gonna keep keep you awake and stress you out even more.
1: Definitely. Yeah, that's 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 one of the struggles. That's you interesting. Man. Brain. Yeah.
0: I bet sleep strategy is huge in uh in across the years and the in the backyards and stuff.
1: Oh, definitely. It's, 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 uh, it's definitely a big aspect of it where you, you have to kind of account for it. If you're going to go, uh, you know, the full, the full distance and yeah. I have to think, you know, where am I going to sneak in a minute or two? But like I said, for me now, I kind of, I take it when I need it. Not so much like as a, a prescription, dude, if you crack that code, that's going to be huge. Oh yeah. Right. Like That'll be fantastic. And hopefully, I mean, and we're all working towards it. So, uh, I mean, Mike crushed it. Uh, oh, man. With 63 loops. Or, and Maggie and, uh, you know, Johan, like, we'll just have to kind of see. Once we get a little bit more data, we could probably start putting together an idea of what uh, what would be the best. But like I was saying earlier, every, every body is going to be different. You know, yeah. like, I know that I can, I can run on so many hours of sleep versus um somebody who may need more
0: yeah yeah for sure i mean yeah exactly it's going to be different for all you guys well i want to hear real real briefly because i don't want to take too much of your time but like the quarantine backyard i know i definitely was jumping on uh on youtube or facebook or wherever they're streaming it um you know, for, for those couple of days that was going on and it was fascinating. And I think also just to kind of relate it to your very first attempt at a 24 hour race, when there's no one else around doing it, that just adds this whole nother level of, of needing to find like self intrinsic motivation. So, um, as we mentioned, you ran 104 miles inside of a coffee shop how did how did you get like what was your why like why were you why were you going after it
1: so i mean i want to be you know the greatest backyard runner in history like that's my dream um, you know so i'm 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 doing it because like i love it and i wanna i want to believe that i can be the best and so i i started outdoors um, I was using, cause I, I was actually, when COVID hit, I was still traveling and I was in Alaska at the time. And so I kind of had to make a quick trip, um, back here, which to Valley, which is kind of like my hometown. Um, but I hadn't prepared to be here in the winter. So I was like, I was living in my summer cabin, which is very poorly insulated and, uh, it, it, there's no internet and the snow is up to my waist so there's no way I can run my laps out there so I ended up like I needed to run uh, my laps in town so I could have internet and then also so I could have plowed streets and so my buddy owns a coffee shop and he said yeah you could use my coffee shop as your as your aid station and I was just going to do an out and back which is great because I really know um, I know it's like knowing that that trail I know the road I know exactly where I'm going to turn around Um, you know so I started that and it was minus 30 on the morning of the race, minus 29. (laughs) And so already I'm like, okay, this is going to be a struggle, but it'll warm up. Like the, um, forecast said, it was going to get a little bit warmer. And so in the afternoon it did warm up to about minus, minus 10, minus 12, somewhere in there. (laughs) Warm up in quotation marks. Uh, yeah. And, and and then is the, is the evening hit. Um, I've noticed definitely one thing that I've noticed across my races is when I'm running i I tend to struggle with my temperature I get very cold so um, when I was out there running and the, and the nighttime started to hit again the, the temperature started dropping and once it hit about minus twenty I was out there for a uh, for one of the loops and i'm I'm thinking to myself okay like this is it you're gonna this is gonna be your last one I'm having a little bit of a pity party um because I know that it's not the time to be putting myself in in a position where I might need to go to a hospital, and uh, you know, like with my body temperature dropping i I'm, I'm definitely feeling like if I continue through the night outside i'm I'm going to get hyperthermic yeah um, so so anyway, so I get back in from that lap and I see that my my crew had pushed all the tables inside the coffee shop together and she said, do you think you could run around this? (laughs) And I I said, Oh, well, I mean, I'll I'll give it a lap. Like, why not? Like one more? Sure. And I did it and I was like, well, that wasn't too bad. And so that began the, uh, the night section of indoor running and then we just continued it on for another, I don't know, 24 hours, 25 hours, I guess, 104 miles. (laughs) (laughs) Were you no coffee during that time? So I, I had done it like a ca- caffeine taper into the race
0: oh, okay. and then
1: I was drinking that way. I could like, every time I had a coffee, it was a real kick in the shorts. So <laughs> it was fantastic to have, you know, like they've got a full service kitchen and a coffee machine. So it was definitely like of, of the aid stations that I've been to, this was my favorite. <laughs> it was fantastic.
0: You were like probably looking in on that zoom chat at everyone, like leaving their house and stuff. And you're like. I'm in a coffee shop. Like I have the advantage here. Like I'm surrounded by caffeine and, uh, croissants.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) I, I had, I had that talk with myself so many times, like, because in, in normally in a backyard race, you see your, your crew at the beginning of the hour and then at the end of the hour, um, you know, and and while you're out on your loop, you're self-sufficient. So if you, want water you need to carry it with you Uh, if you want food you need to carry it with you but because I was doing such a tiny little loop (laughs) like I I would set my cup down on a table and then I would run around the loop three or four times and then I would pick it up and I would have a drink and set it down on a different table because I don't have to stop now I could just keep running and then I set it down so it was you know anytime I wanted right in the middle of the loop I can have a slice of pizza (laughs) I, I, I definitely leaned on that as being like you have the advantage here, like you don't have to quit okay. because you ha- like this is so comfortable.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. that's so cool, man. Well, how did you measure the lap around the coffee shop?
1: I, I didn't actually get it out of the tape measure, but I used my, my watch and yeah. it was point zero two seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A very, very tiny. So, so twenty seven meters around. It's, uh, yeah, it's a little bit on the small side,
0: dude, that would be rough. Like, were you counting in your head? It would be hard not to just start counting
1: loops. No. Um, I, so like I'm, I'm watching my watch and I'm watching it like tick up and every half a kilometer I'm changing directions because it was starting to, uh,
0: yeah, her- I was
1: actually running barefoot because like it, the, the stack height of my shoe made each corner a little bit more difficult, uh, so, so yeah, so just, just trying to manage, manage that. Yeah, man, that's, that's,
0: that's crazy, man. What, what eventually made you tap out on that one? It was the, the, the
1: cornering on my knees. Yeah. And, and I, knew, to be I knew that I had more races in the season that I wanted to train for. Um, so I was like, I, I decided to, to call it, uh, and that this is of the races that I've I've had to step down from, I feel like this is the one I'm, I may have stepped down a little prematurely because I, the next day, I actually felt pretty terrific.
0: That's amazing. Well, so kind of to wrap up here, um, what now that races are obviously rescheduled or canceled or whatever, what, what are you doing right now where you're actually like finding passion? you know, like where you're excited to go out. Cause I don't know if you're like, if you're like me, like there are days where I'm like super pumped to just go out and train and do my normal six or seven mile training run. Um, but there are other days where that's just like, I just do it to do it because that's part of, you know, the plan, you know? Um, but I've found it really important to go out and like do something that actually like, I'm passionate about or I'm excited for or something I can actually like look forward to for a week or a couple weeks. So how are you, how are you kind of balancing that?
1: So I I'm kind of setting my sights on the long-term goal. Like I said in October I'd love to get an opportunity to yeah. run um bigs again. And but for now I'm kind of just I'm putting my focus on, you know, what I can do. I'm I'm actually in a really great spot in my training program because um, you know, I train based on heart rate. And so if I, it, it, like I spend the first half of the the year training in my zone five, so I'm doing very short runs with really high intensity. Uh, and, but now I'm into a little bit further into the program. So I'm doing my lower intensity and drawing out the length. And so this is kind of the point in which, uh, like I'll see that I'll, I'll start hitting my annual PRs like. You know, uh, you just go out for a long, you haven't run, um, you know, 20 kilometers yet outside of your very low intensity run or a very very high shortened duration. And, uh, so you, I get the opportunity to go out there and I, Oh, Hey, look, I just said, uh, I got a little my that little metal notification on your Garmin. Oh, Hey, this is a, you know, <laughs> so you get those little boosts of, uh, ego with the with you know like oh hey look i'm getting faster so that right now is kind of just keeping me going and uh yeah right now and just see what see what the future holds there's there's lots of opportunities so whatever whatever comes up i'll i'll hopefully have an opportunity
0: that's amazing what would you tell someone if they're like
1: i want to sign up for my first backyard
0: ultra like what advice would you have or you know or something like that
1: oh so much i would say um Yeah. Like you can do it. You really can. It's such a manageable speed and it's all about, you know, like just getting out there and doing another one. And, and even if you're, if you're not in it to win it, like it's such a great way, uh, to, to see that you can do the distance. Um, because generally they're, they're pretty flat courses. Um, and when you slow it down and break it up like that and you get to run with everybody right from the beginning, every hour, it gives you that kind of like, you know, when you, you leave the start line of a race and it's like, you get that rush of adrenaline, like, woohoo, I'm out here in the front or I'm, you know, I'm running with all these people. Uh, you get that every hour. So like, that is cool. I have a lot of athletes that, you know, like they, they'll hit their distance PR in a backyard style because it's, because it breaks it down into that manageable, um, you know, puts that, that speed limiter on you and you know forces you to slow down and and then you have an opportunity at an aid station every four miles like where do you where else do you get that opportunity
0: yeah no i mean i think that's oh man that makes it really tempting the whole like distance pr thing
1: pr idea do it like <laughs> get out there just try it. it's so manageable even just even if you do it on your own in a, in a training run set it set four hours yeah and and just do four laps and and you'll go like wow well that was that was pretty easy and you know like if you offer out for six laps you did a marathon it's a six hour marathon like it's it's so manageable Dude.
0: that i'm susceptible to peer pressure by the way so um you know just saying <laughs>
1: i'm gonna i'm just gonna start firing you links to backyard races <laughs> near you <laughs>
0: yeah exactly exactly well shep thank you man thanks for coming on the show you definitely lived up to sheps
1: in general oh fantastic i'm glad to hear that (laughs) congrats let Uh, me keep the name a little longer
0: (laughs) yeah uh what uh where can people kind of like follow you or you know you mentioned um you know training training certain athletes and things like that
1: uh yeah so at go Shep like go underscore Shep on Instagram, that's where I'm the most active. I have it linked to my Facebook uh Matt Shepard. but I train with uh personal peak like personal peak endurance coaching, so if they did the the backyard on april fourth um yeah you'll have heard of them and yeah, so, so getting in touch with them at awesome, personal underscore peak.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, man. Please, uh, please let me know if you're in Colorado and please send me and peer pressure me with uh random backyard ultras. I'm definitely planning
1: on passing through Colorado at some point. So I'm going to take you up on that, especially golden. How can you go wrong? there? Heck yeah. It just has um, a great name, right? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm totally stoked. I'm excited. This has been just a terrific journey.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the show this week. Matt, thank you so much for for coming on. It was awesome talking with you. I can't wait to talk with you again uh, and hear about especially the adventure that's about to start in a week from now. Um, So let me talk about that a little bit again. I know I mentioned at the beginning, um, Matt is going for uh, he's going to try to attempt to break the Canadian ultra running record of six days, um, which was 870 kilometers and I just, this is going to blow your mind. And I want you to like, after I say this, I want you to like research some stuff for a second. So this record <clears throat> was set in 1891, 1891. That's insane. This record has stood in Canada for 129 years. There's been few a, a few attempts along the way to break it, um, and his he texted me that and I'm like, he must have messed up the dates. Maybe he meant nineteen eighty one. And I kind of went back and forth fucking for like an hour in my mind, like, did he mean nineteen eighty one? But no. I'm reading an article right now. Um it says eighteen ninety one. And then I typed in uh I typed in uh sixth day world records or whatever, and I discovered this fascinating history um of six day running events and apparently in like the late 1800s this was a huge deal like people did this stuff all the time and i'm right now i'm trying to find uh i'm trying to oh yeah here you go there's a podcast you guys should check out i've listened to a couple um it's from a man named davy crockett so maybe some of you guys have heard of this guy i believe uh he does a podcast called ultra running history and it goes into all the history of, of ultra running because basically like though we feel like this is a new thing that people are really getting into. um, He really uncovers the fact that like the history of running, like ridiculously long distances actually goes back quite a ways, even past, you know, uh obviously like the 1970s is when people start thinking about it because of western states but it goes back far like much 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 farther than that so um that's something i want to direct you guys towards it's it's pretty good um you'll learn a lot uh it's yeah, it's pretty fascinating. He does a lot of research for his podcast, which I have to say, from doing my own podcast, I do not. <laughs> uh, so, mad respect to uh, Davy Crockett for for starting that, and it's it's pretty fascinating. So, um, but yeah, Shep starts July first. Uh, I'm gonna be cheering him on. Super cool that he's doing it. Hoping that I can actually chat with him again uh afterwards at some point so um yeah so if you're still listening matt this is like an open invite to come back on um after your your huge run so best of luck to you on that one so um all right guys uh come back next week um we have a couple really awesome podcasts coming out over the next few weeks uh me personally i'll be on vacation so i'm gonna try to schedule these uh to make sure they're still coming out every Friday for you guys. Um but I have one uh it might be next week but one with my group of friends who all signed up for the Boonville Backroads Ultra uh and then Boonville was rescheduled and then we lost all the all the wind out of our sails. Um <laughs> and on the original date of May whatever it was, May 25th or something, we all decided to do something challenging endurance wise that day my friend brady ran his first 50k uh i ran a 50k up to these mountains in boulder Um, a couple of my buddies rode 100 miles on the bike uh and my cousin matt rucked uh quite a distance with quite a bit of weight and yeah, we'll get into all those stories um, next week. It's kind of a long one. I don't talk much. I mostly just listened. It was kind of fun. Uh, and obviously a lot of joking around, busting each other um, on different things. So um, yeah. And then uh, we also have Kirsty Ennis coming up and she is well that episode is absolutely going to blow your mind she won an espy award last year uh for the pat tillman service award um she lost her leg in a helicopter crash as a part of the marines in afghanistan Uh, and since then she's uh, competed in snowboarding she's right now she's attempting to complete the seven summits um and she's absolutely incredible like amazing amazing right if you want to uh listen to her chat before my podcast um if you check out Jocko Willing's show uh I'm trying to remember I think it was episode 199 with Kirsty, and I listened to the whole thing after I chatted with her and it's she goes into a lot of her journey there and a lot of the uh her military um background and and all that and she's amazing and then in our podcast in a few weeks we kind of talk uh talk about her seven summits and her thoughts on uh perseverance adventure um and she has some awesome adventures so uh that's that's gonna be a good one too so anyways guys uh yeah we'll get back at you next week hope you enjoyed the show appreciate all you guys and we'll talk to you later